Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the To Be Wed podcast. My name is Mike, and I'm your host. And I'm Emily, and I'm your co-host. And on this week's episode, we thought we would talk about your wedding timeline and go into a few more nuances when it comes to your timeline. I know we have recorded an episode already on timeline, episode number 10. We made all about your wedding day timeline, but um, wanted to go into a bit more detail because I know that episode was very popular and you guys had a lot of questions around wedding day timelines. And one of the things that I get as a photographer a lot is questions around the timeline for the day, and I'm very um, heavily involved in that. So I thought we'd dive into some of those things today and some of the things surrounding photography and, and a few more of the nuances on the day. But before we jump into that, I wanted to start with a question. I was out photographing an engagement party last week, and at this engagement party they had a, like, it was basically a full-on, like, party, hideout of venue, had a dance floor and everything, had a DJ there. Basically, reception. Basically, yeah, it was a really nice event. And towards the end, they opened the dance floor, the DJ was on, but not many people hopped on the dance floor. And I was only there for like half an hour into the dance floor and then I was heading off and they still had another hour to go. And at the end, the couple came over to me and asked how you managed to get people on the dance floor because they knew I'd been to a lot of weddings before and they wondered Tough. how I managed to get people or how any of one manages to get people on the dance floor. And I thought that was an interesting question. That's something that everyone struggles with. Yeah. We've seen a lot of dance floors go flop. Yeah, I've, I've been to a lot of weddings where it's gone flop, but we've also been to some ones where it's gone well. I mean, I don't mean to, like, scare people, but I reckon we've seen more flop than succeed. I am very proud to toot my own horn here and say ours was a very big success, our dance floor. So I feel like we do have some good tips in this. Well, hand us a few tips. What do you think some of the best things that – we did. If ours was a success, what did we do well? The first song really matters. That's like my biggest tip is that I think a lot of people start with things they think people want to hear but don't think about the dance aspect of it. And what I mean is people start with girls just want to have fun or songs like that that are a bit outdated now. Everyone's heard them at a wedding and people think that by starting with Dancing Queen, girls just want to have fun is their first song that's going to get people on the floor. Which kind of leads me into my second point that I think it's really important to not think about whether you like or don't like a song because you and I, there were songs on there that we didn't love, but they were bangers. They were just ones you couldn't help but dance to that that dragged you to the dance floor. And thirdly, I think we did this thing and obviously we had a little bit more leeway, I guess, than people who have a DJ because we did it through a Spotify playlist. And we had different songs to attract different people. And so we might have had like three songs first up that were straight hits. And then we had like some country songs because we knew that would appease some people. And then we moved on to other songs as well. And I think that was really good because at some point or another, every single person had a song that they were drawn to. Whereas I've been to weddings where you're like, oh, this is just all 80s hits, all heard before, a bit boring now. Yeah, and I think that's a good point actually about grouping the songs together. That's something that we did, um, grouping the sort of genre of songs because we had a very like, mixed crowd at our wedding. Mm. And so once you had people on the dance floor is then being able to maintain it for a few songs and then they're out of energy and then they go and yeah. probably sit back down again and have a chat. So nice way to be able to incorporate everyone and keep them there with songs they like and then be able to give them a break as well. And I think – also going back to the start, I think that's even important, is 
how you start your dance floor, you said you got to start it with a good song, but I think at a wedding, it normally comes in sort of after your first dance. If you're having your first dance at the end, I see that done a lot mm. of times and that's often successful because you're having your first dance, then you're getting your whole wedding party up to dance with you. You may have parents come up to dance and then you're sort of drawing everyone in, you know, everyone's standing around for your first dance anyway. So then you've got them on the dance floor. Then you've got to play a couple of good songs that are going to be able to keep them there. Um, I think that's important. Ours, we didn't go that way. We had our first dance at the start of the night. Mm. So for us to get people on the dance floor, how did that look? I asked them to come on the dance floor, but an important part of that is that I said to our bridal party, I expect every single one of you to get up and start. And we had a very confident wedding party as well who were not afraid to just like go up and pull people up. So I think that helped. And on that first song, we had a song that went straight into like a dance beat, um, which I think was helpful because sometimes you get those slow starting songs and then you hit the chorus and then that's where the dance starts, whereas you really need to go straight in for it. Yeah, and that's a big help if you have like a DJ, right? They should be able mm. to control that. They should be able to cut to those <laughs> parts of the song straight away. So if you have a DJ and they're not doing that, yeah, then <laughs> that's no no good at all. That's what you're actually paying them to be there for. I think. The other big point, and this is one thing that I flagged to those guys last week when they asked the question, was like, you have to be there. Yeah, that's a big If one. you're not on the dance floor, I've been to a few weddings now where the couple will walk away from the dance floor. They'll go outside if they're at a venue like that. They'll go away and chat to people. You know, if you're not there for the first half hour, no one's going to be wanting to be dancing there yeah. because they're not going to want to dance alone. Like some people will, but, you know. A lot know, of people don't know each other Yeah, either. a lot of people are just meeting each other the first time, like. It's awkward. They're there to be around you. Like that's the end of the night. That's when they're having their party because they haven't got to spend time with you for most of the day, right? You've been out taking photos. You've been hanging out with close family. You've been hanging out with the bridesmaids, hanging out with the groomsmen all day. That's the one chance where people who are just a guest at the wedding who may be a bit extended, a bit removed from you, get to hang out with you. So if you're not on the dance floor, they're not going to be there either and that's going to very quickly drop the mood. I wanted to ask that first up because I think that leads into what we want to talk about today about the timeline, um, about knowing how long things should take on the day. And I think that's a big thing that comes into the dance floor as well. We'll get to that at the end about knowing when to put things, how long things are going to take. Because that's one of the big questions that a lot of people have when they start planning their wedding is how long will things take? Um, you can be all well and good planning a wedding, but not knowing, not having ever been through it before, you can't really know how long something is going to take. How was that for you starting out the day with the bridal prep? How did you know how to plan, how much time to give yourself? Was any of that, did you have any ideas on how long that would take before? And were you surprised by how long things did take? I'm always going to reiterate that you should always talk to your vendors because they are the experts within their own respective fields. I do think that bridal prep is one of those things that people completely underestimate and it, it can really set you up for a domino effect. For the rest of the day. I know we talk about brides being late um, or people being late down the aisle and we've been to some weddings where those people are significantly late and it means their whole wedding has been very late. So I guess with bridal prep or any kind of morning prep, it's really important that you see this as the first foundation of setting up a really good timeline. Um, I guess I kind of knew, not not overly. I mean. I had an idea because I've always kind of been in the makeup space, so I knew how long that would take. I had no idea about hair. Um, and I knew that everyone gets up 
ridiculously early, um, even if they've got an afternoon wedding. So that was kind of my base knowledge. Yeah, big thing for me, especially in the morning, is like working back from your ceremony start time. That that really helps. Like you can plan how long things will take, but give yourself enough time. So I always work back and I always overestimate how long things are going to take as well. On the photography side of things, I think going into bridal prep, if you're having bridal prep photos in the morning, you've got to allow time for that. Everyone's going to say they love like candid photos. They just want someone to come in and take photos of the room. But you've still got to allow some time to have a stage photo, some time to have, be able to move things around and get things where you want them to be. Yeah. You can't just have your day run in the morning how you want it to go and then have a photographer just walking around because to be honest, you're probably like wasting your time having a photographer there. Like they may get a few good photos, but to have them there for an hour just to do that is is pretty stupid. You've got to have, you've got to have it pretty well planned out and you've got to know what you're trying to do there. For me, I always like to go into into bridal prep at least an hour before, at least an hour at bridal prep, if not an hour and a half, I give myself normally because there's a lot of things to do, especially if you're having a photographer go there, there's no point in them just being there for half hour. There's a lot to do um, in that time, I think, and so giving yourself space to move around through those different things. Yeah, and I think it's really good that you have an idea of what you actually want for bridal prep. Like if you want a photographer to just go take photos around not no stage photos nothing then then you probably don't need them there for the hour and a half but in that same token if you are wanting pictures of everyone in their robes pictures of a bridal reveal etc etc you're going to have to build that in and then that is going to have to be communicated to your hair and makeup artists because they're not they're going to know the time and they're going to work back from that time maybe giving you a half an hour scope but as we know, things always run out over time and also the photographer needs their own schedule. So it's about that communication. If, if you know that, I don't know, you need an hour for photos and you need to tell the makeup artist, yes, my ceremony is at three, but I need to be done and dusted by 1.30. Yeah, and I think that is something that scares a lot of people. I always tell people to be ready at least an hour, like to be ended hair and makeup at least an hour before you're going to be leaving. Yeah, <laughs> And I think that scares people. I think people think that they can get ready right up until the end. You know, yeah. hair and makeup needs to end an hour before because you still need to get dressed afterwards. Mm. You're not in your dress having hair and makeup done. And that done. takes a while. That takes a long time and you can, you know, and, and, and things can go wrong in that. Like we're not going to yeah. um, say that nothing will go wrong when you try to put your dress on for the first time in however long. So things can happen there. Then you want to take photos afterwards. You may have a first look with bridesmaids. You may have a first look with your dad, your mum things like this, you know, and things could be, you could be like 15 minutes late, but if you've given yourself an hour, then you've got time in there. You know, you'd rather have more time than have less. And I think, yeah, that, those type of things scare people when they hear that. It's also important to know when hair and makeup is going to end as well, because if you're wanting a photographer to come in before, most of the time I'll go in half hour before hair and makeup has ended. Firstly, to be able to take photos of you having hair and makeup done, because I think that's nice and it incorporates into your day of something that you had done in the morning. So nice to get photos of that. But then also to get photos of, of jewellery, of the other details, of rings, of your dress before you have it on. So we can do all that while you're getting your hair and makeup done, making sure that I'm in there before that so there's not time that's being like wasted afterwards because once you're in your dress, we can do a lot more. Yeah, and I guess just for reference, you've mentioned having your hair and makeup done one hour before. So when thinking about your timeline, work one hour back from the time you need to leave for your ceremony not your ceremony time. So if you need to leave at 20 to 3, you're not being ready at 2 
you're being ready at 20 to 2, if that makes sense. So um, that's an hour. And then to allow the timeline for hair and makeup, a, a typical timeline is about an hour for everyone who's getting their makeup that isn't one of the people getting married. So whether that is mother of the bride or bridesmaids or flower girls or whatever it might be, approximately one hour. Um, and that includes hair because hair gets done usually at the same time if you've got a separate person. But if it is a hair and makeup artist who does them separately, make sure you check the length of time because they will take longer. Um, and then the bride takes about an hour and a half. So you can see that if you've got, like me, I had a bridal party of four. I had me and I had my mum. That's a significant amount of people. That's six. It's considered a large bridal party. We're taking at least six hours. We were, we were getting ready really early. So, yeah, that's just how you kind of work it out. And I suppose on our day as well, we had our photographer there at 12 with you girls. Um, our ceremony didn't start at like two. And you were leaving probably quarter to two, weren't you? Like 20 to two? Yeah. So you had that time. You know, you've got to allow enough time in there as well. I think it's very different than when it does come to um, grooms and, and groomsmen. Often that doesn't take as long. Often it's something that's ignored all, altogether, which I don't honestly believe in. But again, that's up to you whether you choose to have photos of the groom and the groomsmen. But obviously, that whole like, getting ready process is a lot easier. So, not a lot is really said with that. For me, if I'm going to take photos of a groom, it depends. If you've got another photographer, obviously you can't be in two places at once. So I normally go to the groom early. There's not a lot to do with them. It's normally just having on the jacket, putting on a tie, you know, having a few photos with the groomsmen. And we can sort of do that about two hours before the ceremony and then I'll do half an hour with them Then we're out of there and I'm going on to the bride. If you are trying to condense that, you'd have to have like a second photographer to go there at the same time. Um, the other photographers is with the bride and bridesmaids and then they will go to the ceremony location early and take photos there as well. So these are different things to think about. But normally it starts with a bride, right, and then you'll work out which way you'd like to go with the groom. Afterwards, moving on to the ceremony, I think we're big believers in, in being on time for your ceremony. We've always said mm -hmm. that and that is why you put all these things in place for the morning. Why is that? Because then I think... A lot of people don't understand the repercussions that can have later in the day. Yeah, I think that I'm just going to pluck out a number. Let's say your ceremony is 30 minutes long. If you are 10 minutes late, then this allocated time for your ceremony goes to 40 minutes. If you're 15 minutes late, it goes to 45 and you're starting to push those times out. And what what you'll find is once you, you are late, you're late to everything. So if you're 15 minutes late to your ceremony, you're going to be 15 more minutes late to your family photos. Family photos also tend to run on time. So not only are they 15 minutes longer than you expected, they're probably going to run about 10 to 15. So now you're half an hour behind. Then you want to try and get as many photos as you can. Um, people have differing views, but you'll either, one, go over time in your photos, or B, you won't get all the photos that you want and then you'll be late to your reception. This is where the leeway you are allowed, but then if like a dance floor is important or a grand exit's important or whatever it is to you, then it is late. So I guess the reason we say always be on time because then you probably won't be on time, but you'll be as close to as on time as you can be because it is compounded as you go. So you're 15 minutes late this time, but by the end of the night, you're 45 minutes to an hour late. 
Yeah, and I think that's really important because you can't often make up a lot of time during your ceremony. Like if you're having an hour-long yeah. ceremony, it's always going to be an hour. You can't really make up time in that. If you're having a 15-minute a ceremony, it's already probably as short as it can be. You can't really take time out of that. So, um, yeah, making sure you're as on time as possible because then after the ceremony, I think a, a big portion of time that people forget to allocate, and I think this does need to be incorporated into your timeline, is time spent with other people straight after yeah. the ceremony. I don't like unless it's a rare circumstance where you're getting married somewhere and you're walking out having an exit and you're going to walk straight off and hop into a car and drive away there needs to be some time put in there for people to come up and congratulate you. Yeah. And this will take time, right? Like it people takes will a long walk time. over and people have traveled a long way. They really would like to say congratulations to you on your big day. So making sure you put time in there for that. Yeah, and I guess this I personally would allow up to half an hour. It depends on how big your wedding is. We had a wedding of 80 people in attendance and it probably took us about 20 minutes. But I think what we did was we completely underestimated how long it actually takes not only to move into family photos, but coordinate that. So you're talking and then you have to drag yourself away essentially or have someone else drag. This is where things like a day of coordinator can be can be helpful um, because you know, they can kind of play devil's advocate or whatever. But then that time, even like moving into family photos, that chatting time between people are going to get caught up. They're not going to, it's not going to be a well-oiled machine just pumping out photos. Yeah, it's never going to be great, but there are things you can do to try to speed it up. I know that it's one of those things that people um, don't look forward to on their day, but it's one of those things you kind of have to do. I mean, you don't have to do it and I'm, and really big hats off to anyone who chooses not to have them. Um, but I think at least a few, you've got to do at least a few group photos with people who are there. And so speeding that process up as quickly as possible is the best outcome after you've said hello to everyone and then try to get the photos and then head off. I think one of the best things you can do is have the photos close by. Um, I think that was a mistake on our part at our wedding. Mm -hmm. Not a mistake, but we didn't really have any other option. So when we came out of the church, we had to go across the street and into a park to take photos. Under a tree. Yeah, and we had to move everyone over there to get the photos. Now, that mm. wasn't a great deal. Like it wasn't a long way away but across the street, but it was hard to get everyone across there. Um, so if you can do them as close as you possibly can to where everyone is, I think that's the best outcome because you're not moving people a mile and having to call out and when you lose someone who's gone to the bathroom, this, that, and the other. So try to do them as quickly as you can, as close as you can, so you're not like losing people and you're not having to call out and chase after people. Yeah. The other really big tip that I have for people is with big group shots, do the largest group first and then send people away. Yeah. And work down to a smaller group. If you're doing extended family photos, take a big group shot first with all your aunties and uncles and all your cousins and then maybe ask your cousins to step out and then ask your aunties and uncles to step out and it's just grandparents and parents and immediate family. It's like family. back the layers. Yeah, so you're taking people away. If you're adding people, if you start with just immediate family and then add, you're going to be waiting a long time for people to individually walk into every shot. Um, easier to get them just to move away. And they, and they know how far they've got to move because we know where we're already taking the photo um, and they were in it to start with. So that's a big tip that I have for a lot of people and it's helped speed up a lot of um, the process. So when you're actually writing down a list, and that's another thing I suggest is writing a list of groups you want and you give that to someone on the day, they'll know who to call out um, and incorporate those in, in that order, in reverse order of, of largest groups first down to the smallest groups. 
And then when it comes time to actually go off and take photos with your bridal party or with just you and your partner, it's up to you, I guess, how long you would really want that to take. A lot of people have differing opinions on how long they want that to take, where they want to incorporate that. Like with us, it was very important for us to get to our like cocktail hour to hang out with people. So we tried to condense the amount of time we're out taking photos and I'm not upset with how long we went. We probably didn't go for even a half hour on our own mm. to take photos and I'm not upset by that because we got to spend time with other people. Other people will go for an hour on their own and go take photos. It's completely up to you. We did a sort of half and half where we went half the time with the wedding party and took photos and then we went to a separate location and took photos by ourselves there's a lot of talk. I think a lot of people are, are questioning whether to take the whole wedding party with them to their photos. Did you like us going alone or would you rather have everyone around us for the whole time? Um, I think I liked us going alone because it was actually, I mean, we did bring one person with us to hold the veil um, and all of that kind of thing. But I preferred that we went alone because it was that one time of the day, like obviously the person on the veil wasn't next to us the whole time. And the photographer a lot of the time is meters away. So can't actually hear what you're talking. So it's actually, I thought it was a really nice moment to just catch up and take the moment in together without distraction. And it wasn't long. It was maybe 15 minutes max. So for me, I enjoyed that. What about you? Yeah, I'm really big on that as well. I think important to take time away from your wedding party. And, and I'm a big advocate in planning that into your day as well, even without the photographer if you possibly can. But a lot of people will take that time with the photographer. Um, I'm definitely strong on going and taking photos with the rest of your wedding party as well. I think that's important. Um, this is one of the big upsides in being in getting married in a location or at a venue that's all in one, inclusive. Mm. You can go and take photos on site. And then when you're done with the wedding party, you can like send them back to the cocktail hour. They can just walk back. Um, and you can continue on and go take photos. But with us, like we chose to go to a separate location alone. So that was nice, but it also added time to our day yeah. as well. So be able to factor those things in and how long that would take. I think, yeah, a lot of people are concerned about the bridal party photos. Um, there's a lot of bridesmaids and groomsmen out there who think that's the worst part of the day, but I think it's probably one of the better parts of the day. And I think if you can bring people along, it's one of the, the big roles of of people in your wedding party to really hype that up. You know, they've mm. got to bring that energy. I love when people bring eskies of drinks along when they're just having a good time, you know, when they've got like, when they've got really cool sunglasses on, when they're just having a free time. All the men have got their like jackets off and we're just having a good time. We're hanging out. And I think that can be a really fun experience. A lot of people think, oh, well, I'd rather be at the cocktail hour having drinks right now. Why do I have to be hanging out here taking photos? But I think just getting 15 minutes, you can actually get in and get out and get a lot of photos in that time, and I think that's very important. And then afterwards, I guess, moving on to the reception, there's a heap of different things you can do at your reception, mm. and I think this is, needs its own sort of timeline in and of itself, but it is so unique in the way that you can do things. A lot of people do things differently at the reception, so again, this is very much up to you, and you will know how long each individual element takes. I think one of the biggest things that comes to planning your reception is actually the length of reception time. I mean, all the details, they're variable and you can cut and, and the reception is somewhere where you can cut time. You can cut, you know, a speech at the last, like you might have a five minute speech plan, but you can cut that to two or you can cut the bouquet toss. Like there's things in the, the reception that you can cut and modify as per your timeline needs. But I think one of the biggest things and the first things that we started with was originally our reception was starting at six 
and it was ending at 10. So it was a four hour package and we paid to extend that by one hour. Um, this is not including the cocktail hour. So we actually ex- decided to extend that. I think it was actually one of the best things we did. I think I remember looking down at my watch when we finished, not my watch, but time when we finished our speech and was like 9.17. So then we got from 9.17 or 9.20 to 11 p.m. now um, for that dance floor, which I think was like just the right amount of time. Um, whereas now in hindsight, I'm like, imagine if we stayed to 10, we would have got like no time. So I think that knowing how long you actually want to actually have your reception for is important. And then also knowing that you're probably going to go about 20 minutes over whatever time. So I think originally we had 9 p.m. to get on the dance floor. We got on the dance floor at like 9.20. So we were about 20 minutes over, which is pretty standard. And ours, I think, was was fairly good. We did have a lot of different things in there, but there were ways where you could get through a lot of that stuff a lot faster as well. I know a lot of people just want to get all the formalities out of the way as quickly as possible and get on the dance floor by like 8 o'clock. Yeah. And then they're only in there to like 10, they're out. You know, that's the whole plan for a lot of people. Yeah, and going back to the dance floor, that is one of the important tips. There is a sweet spot. You don't want to go too long. We've seen we were at a wedding where a dance floor went for over two hours and it was so long. By like 10 o'clock, everyone was out. Um, but then at the same time, we've been to a dance floor where it was 20 minutes. So that was way too short. But I think one of the biggest time-saving tips that we have found and we did it at our wedding was actually doing speeches over dinner or over meals. And I am so glad we did this because we've been to a few weddings since or even before and people did dedicated speech time in between meals. And one, every wedding speech is pretty similar. There are always some standouts, but they're pretty similar. And two, that no one else can talk. So I think that that just allowed time saving and an elaborate better experience as a whole yeah no one needs your full attention when you're giving a speech yeah. like you can definitely be eating your meal and listening to speeches they're all the same after a while and it's nice to hear them but if you're having a few speeches have them over the meals and then when people have ended their meals you can walk around and talk to people you know mm-hmm. you're not having to stay in your chair all night and it's an easy way to get things up and moving a lot faster and then also going back to the dance floor i wanted to say that yeah there is a perfect length to the dance floor. But then also think about your photographer. If you're having them there to photograph the dance floor, I've been to weddings where I photograph the dance floor for like an hour and a half. After half an hour, the dance floor starts to look the same in every single photo. If you're wanting a photographer there for that long, maybe you're having a grand exit where you need the photographer to hang around. But there are better things you could be having earlier on in the day. So maybe thinking about ending a photographer half hour into the dance floor. If you're not having a grand exit, they can go home use that extra hour early on in the day. You don't need an hour and a half of dance floor photos. So that's just one thing to keep in mind. And just on grand exits, sparkler photos don't look like what you get on Pinterest. Like they, nine out of ten times I would say, the sparkler photos don't look as good as what you see on Pinterest because it's so dependent on how fast people can get those sparklers up, how people hold those sparklers. So I just want people to be real and manage that expectation and really wonder if it's worth paying a photographer, but essentially asking them to stay an hour extra on the dance floor just to get that grand exit photo that might not live up to your expectations. Maybe there's something fun that you can do at the bridal photos, at the wedding prep, 
I know you mentioned you went to a wedding recently and they threw the confetti in the photos. I think that's really cool. You still get those cool photos with bubbles, with confetti, whatever you want, but you're actually not adding additional time for a photographer or or putting an hour for a photographer at the end of the night when it's probably better used at the beginning. Yeah. You could do way better stuff or like grand entrances into mm. your reception. Like people, everyone's starting to get the same now in their entrance at the reception. I could talk about this all day, but having something like change something up, have, have different like props there, have different music, have people enter with sparklers. I don't know, like do something to spice that part up. I think like have people stand up for your grand entrance when you walk in the room um, and, and actually make a big deal of that rather than having something at the end of the night that, yeah, you're probably going to forget about. It's probably going to, some people have gone home already. You know, it's never going to live up to your expectations if you're not in the type of your venue that you really want. If it's not in the correct like lighting conditions, it's not going to look the same as you've only seen the photos online because those ones have all been cherry-picked to be the best ones. So they're never mm-hmm. going to look that way. There are definitely better things you can do. I know people love having like nighttime photos and people love the look of the sparkler exit because it's a nighttime photo and that's very rare to get on your wedding day most of the time you're inside. You can actually go outside at nighttime. This is one of the big tips that I give a lot of people. You either go outside and take sunset photos if your sunset is during your reception. A lot of people who get married in spring or summer, sunset does fall halfway through their reception at like 8 o'clock at night. So go out and take photos at sunset. I think that's a really special thing to do especially if you're wanting to get to your cocktail hour early to hang out with people, then go and take 15 minutes after your meal um, and go and hang out outside and go take photos at sunset or towards the end of the night, just before the dance floor or during the dance floor, if that's not something you're into, rather than paying a photographer to hang around for an hour and a half on the dance floor, you could go outside after dark and take photos with flash at nighttime under lights. You know, I think that can look really nice at the end of the night and then they can go home. There are a lot of different ways to incorporate things rather than having someone stay around till a grand exit or having some big stage moment earlier in the night that's not even real. I think there are a lot of more nicer, intimate moments that you could have throughout the night. In terms of the timeline for our wedding day, what was the thing that you think most surprised you? Well, like what took the longest or what was really quick that you thought was out of the way before you even, even knew about it? What was something about the timeline that surprised you on the day? I'm going to do one thing that was slow and one thing was quicker than I expected. And I know that's not quite what you asked, but okay. YOLO. Um, I personally think the thing that was slowest family photos for sure really slowed us down. Again, we across the road we had older people, the person calling their names didn't know everyone. It was a bit it was a bit shambolic and you've always got to allow extra time for aunties who want to be a photographer or, you know, any any family member who thinks no, I'm going to take five minutes for photos. Um, the thing that surprised me took the quickest is anything to do with our vendors, particularly the photographer. When we only had 20 to 30 minutes left for our own photos, I was really worried. And even when I hear you talk about when you do weddings and you're like, I only need 15 minutes to go out and take sunset photos. I'm like, yeah, right. But from experience with our own photographer, experience with you, Photographers can work very quickly and they can get the idea is, I mean, a photographer doesn't want to take 4,000 photos and they don't want to just hold down the shutter because they're the ones who are going to have to sort through all those photos and pick the best ones. Their idea, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the idea is to take good photos, not lots. 
And so if you're going out and you're getting sunset photos or you're worried about the how, you know, the timeline, the photographers can work very quickly and adjust their methods to suit the wedding day timeline. Yeah, I think that's that's really important. I get asked a lot about photography, whether there is a list that I'm going in with, whether there's an idea in mind I'm going in with of types of photos that I want to take because I often do only get 15 to 20 minutes to take photos, right? So if I was in there with a list of an hour's worth of photos, then I wouldn't get most of them. So for me, it's normally about I have like five or six photos that I really have to take, right? Five or six photos that you pretty much take at every, every single wedding. And once you get those done, then it's all sort of creative work. So you can go in and get those photos and they'll look really nice. But after that, after that 15 minutes, if you take me out on an hour, it's going to be like, yes, you are going to get some great photos, right? But it's all off-the-cuff creative work of where you are in the location, about you being able to see the light, see where you want to take photos. If you're not into that sort of artsy, creative style of photos and you just want the bare minimum, yes, we can get in there and get them in 15 minutes. You know, and we can get a lot of different photos in 15 minutes. You know, we can get a nice in-close shot of you, a nice wide shot, a different shot at sunset. We know we can aim, aim completely different ways and get 10 different photos in a minute if you really wanted to, and they'll all look very different and very nice. You'll be happy with the style of the photos. So, yeah, I think people stress about not having enough time, but you can do a lot in 15 minutes. I think for me a big regret, I don't want to say regret, but something I look back on that did take a lot of time on our wedding date was our speech, in particular my speech. It probably went too long and I look back at that and think, I'm oh, laughing at this because you know, he's not the only one who's commented on this. <laughs> no, 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 no. And it probably took like, Maybe 10, 15 minutes. It took a long time. It took a long time, time and it's and way that was over it, the expected that was it being cut. period, you know. And we were already like five minutes behind our schedule, not a lot, but then I ran it 10 minutes over. So we, you know, at the end of the day, it worked out fine. We had heaps of time on the dance floor, but it was one of those things that did drag and did probably take a lot longer than it needed to take. And that's why I say you can be the best judge that you want to be, but making sure you've got extra time in there because you yourself can take longer to do things than you even think you will. And I think we had too many speeches in general. So by the time that we got to yours, it was like, oh, hurry up. Yeah, I went to a, a wedding recently where it was just um, the best man and the maid of honour who spoke. And I thought that was great. You know, <laughs> like it was over so quick. Um, obviously, as someone who didn't really know the couple that well, that was good. But if you were a bit more closer to them, maybe you, you would have liked more. I don't know. But for me, I was like, everyone has to speak. I want to hear 100 different opinions. So it's very different. Depends where you come from. You can be a mm-hmm. guest and hate every speech or you might be the, you may be the couple and you may really enjoy all the speeches. So, you know, up to you how many you want to take, but just make sure you give yourself enough time. But I think that's where we're going to leave today's episode, guys. I think we've given hopefully a little bit of information in this one, a bit more about the timeline, a bit more things to think about. There's a lot of different things that come down a timeline. And as I've said before, you can't make an episode that's going to, suit every single person because it is very unique with the things that you can do on your day, but making sure that you're allocating time, allocate more time than you think you'll need. I'm a big fan of breaking your day down into half hour blocks. You know, if something's going to take 20 minutes, allow half hour for it and, and really, really block it out in that way, especially early on in the day for photos, for your ceremony, for your prep in the morning, half hour blocks don't condense everything down smaller than that because you will be upset when things don't run to that time limit, but half hours, it gives yourself a good leeway. Make sure you give yourself plenty of time on your wedding day because we don't want anyone to be stressed. If you have enjoyed this episode, guys, we'd really appreciate it if you did share it around with someone else who is also planning their wedding, share it around with someone who you think would really benefit from hearing this stuff about the timeline for your wedding day. I think it's something that everyone needs to hear 
um, whether you're the one planning your wedding timeline or not, I think it's important to hear this from the start right to the end. So thank you guys for sharing all our episodes around and we hope to provide as much value as we possibly can. And if you have been enjoying our recent episodes, be sure to give us a rating or review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It's the one reason our podcast continues to grow and we continue getting more and more listeners every week. And we really appreciate you guys taking the time to leave us a rating or review. Um, And we'll leave a link to that in the description of this podcast if you want to leave us a rating or review. We really appreciate those. But until next week, guys, we hope you have a great week and we will talk to you all again next Friday. Bye. Bye.